Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Wes Hendricks, an online movement coach and the co-host of Movement Athlete Podcast. I invited him to State of Health to ask about his direct and to-the-point feedback approach to coaching. Dr. Hendricks is an accomplished calisthenics practitioner, and many of his clients look to get strong and learn similar bodyweight skills such as muscle-ups or one-arm chin-ups. As these are long-term pursuits, we talked about how he sets expectations with clients about the length of time it will take to reach them. In addition to the direct and to-the-point feedback, Dr. Hendricks strives to be a professional coach by personalizing each program to the individual client, providing quick and detailed responses during communication, and never missing a deadline to establish a trusted coach-client relationship. We talked about injuries and how they inform his approach of using standards for training clients. He also shared his 85% capacity principle as a way of individualizing his programs. Topics near the latter third of the podcast included why we both like training clients, the drawbacks of training only bodyweight skills, differences between our own training and how we train clients, and one principle in fitness that Dr. Hendricks has changed his mind about recently. So if all that sounds interesting, then this podcast episode is for you. Just before we get started, this is a reminder that you can get started with my free bodyweight training program, Body Basics, which requires no equipment by going to subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Hit subscribe if you like the content and hit the notification bell too. If you're listening through a podcast app, could you please share the podcast with a friend who may also enjoy listening and discussing it with you? All right, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of State of Health. I have another special guest today. We're joined by Dr. Wes Hendricks. You can uh, find him on Instagram with the the profile at Dr. Wes Hendricks, and he's also got his own uh, podcast, The Movement Athlete. So just let's start off by saying thank you, Dr. Hendricks or Wes, for joining me on here and sparing your time with me. I'm psyched to be on. It's, It's funny. I get a laugh there because, you know, probably like 25% of the time when, you know, I, I start a conversation with someone on social media, they call me Drew instead of Dr. Hent because the Dr. Wes <laughs> yeah, Hendricks, yeah, yeah. it almost, so I've been called Drew so many times. It's pretty funny. So I, I was laughing as you were saying at Dr. Wes Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And you're, you've got a doctor of chiropractic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you still practice that or do you mostly do like movement coaching? So um, it, it's all online right now. Um, like fortunately I still use the degree cause I work with a lot of people with chronic back pain that, you know, and I'm not directly, you know, helping someone with a disc herniation or something per se. Um, but they want to work out around it, you know, and they're depressed and you know, their, their physical therapist or chiropractor or whatever, doesn't really know the best mm-hmm. way for them to work out around it. And they're getting in-person care, but I come in and put together a program so they can work out mm-hmm. and get healthy, you know, and mm-hmm. stay moving. Um, mm-hmm. I always like to say, unless you're in a full body cast, you should be doing some sort of working out regardless of, you know, the injury or the state of whatever you have going on. Um, But to answer Mm -hmm. your question, I I just do all remote stuff right now. I think Mm -hmm. one of your previous guests, uh, Dr. DeBell, we joke about Mm -hmm. it, 
that mm-hmm. I think within the next couple of years, I would love to go back to treating patients again, but, mm-hmm. but doing it from a, a mindset that I don't need to make any sort of income from it. Um, I would still mm-hmm. charge money. You know, it's not, it's not the Red Cross or UNICEF or something. Um, mm-hmm. and, I th- and I think people need to pay money to be invested in the treatment. But yeah. me, like, I think it, there's a bias there as a, a healthcare provider that I'm trying to pay my rent that you, you can't eliminate regardless of if you're thinking about the patient first, you know, and how many visits you think they need or whatever. So I think mm-hmm. in a few years, once my, my online business is at a point where I can step away from it, I think it'd be cool to go back and treat patients again, not from that, just to simply help them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to charge uh, for your services, obviously, because uh, like you said, uh, people are more invested and also like it's a signal as to whether you're uh, actually doing a good job or not. If, you know, you're not actually making a profit, possibly your approach is not the best. (laughs) Uh Absolutely. I don't disagree with that at all. (laughs) Right. So um, the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast and talk to you a little bit um, First of all, thanks for reaching out to me and then starting the conversation and then and then afterwards accepting my invite. But uh, I wanted to talk to you because you have this, uh, I don't want to say unique, but definitely uh, uh, more uh, less less uh, common style of coaching that I see where you're very much like a no nonsense in your face, kind of a straight to the point type of communicator, which I really like uh, just to paint a bit of a picture. Maybe I'll give it a couple yeah. of examples. Uh, like I just went to your Instagram page and looked at the first like 10 to 20 posts. And within those, it was very easy to get like a good sense of it. Like you posted like a, a couple of prerequisites for one arm chin ups. And then you're like, let's see how many people get triggered by this. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> then you're like saying like, stop doing these stupid muscle up transitions. Or like you say, like most people vastly overestimate their abilities things like that. And then even in the comments, some of the people who are commenting to your posts, you can get that same sense where they're like saying, you know, love the honest content. The, this is the kind of things that you get to see when you follow Dr. Wes Hendricks on Instagram. So I guess my question is like, let's talk about it before uh, you talk about the actual, maybe give a better refined picture of what your uh, approach is. Maybe I, I'm uh, striking too broad of a, a brush, brush stroke there. And, uh, how did you develop that uh, that approach? And then were you like more willing to please clients or more accommodating at first? And did something trigger a change? Can you talk about all that? That was, that was a good, you know how we talked about beforehand, me, me telling you if you had any stupid questions, that was a good question. Okay, yeah, um, good. Um, <laughs> in terms of where it came from, you know, I don't really know, to be totally honest. I, I couldn't tell you. I think that's just my personality in general. Like I'm very direct. I'm straight to the point. And when I, when I first graduated chiropractic school, I moved to Boston, um, you know, and the, the people in Boston are very much the same way. You know, they're no nonsense. They're direct. They're to the point. They don't, ha- they don't have time to, you know, shoot. Like I live in the South now and it kind of drives me nuts. You know, everyone, everything's so slow here. You know, no one has, you know, like it's, they want to have a conversation and I, sure. I love that. But, you know, in Boston, people were like, but also in the South, nobody cares about their health. You know, the, these, these clients that I started working with in Boston, you know, they were you know, like very high profile lawyers, you know, investors or whatever. And, but they, they treated their job as if they were a professional athlete, you know, and they were paying me to take care of them. So then they could go, you know, make more money. Um, and there was something about the way I treated them that resonated with me. Like I didn't treat them special. Um, you know, I didn't. Like I, I was as rude to them as I was to, 
you know, the, the, the person at the front desk at the gym. Maybe what I'm saying is I'm just a dick in general. I'm a rude person. Uh, but people, people like that approach. They don't want to be, I feel like people don't want to, especially nowadays, don't want to be coddled or bullshitted or told they're being good, doing a good job when they're doing mm -hmm. a shitty job. Um, and for mm -hmm. me, I only, I only have so much bandwidth and like the energy that I have, am I going to devote it to making you feel good about yourself or am I going to devote it to making sure I keep you safe and help you reach your goals? Um, and you know, um, I, I'm going to do the later one, you know, so I can, that's what people are paying me for. They're not paying for a life coach or a motivational coach. And may, maybe some people want that, but then I'm not the right fit for them, which is also totally fine. I've, sent people to other people or told them from the get-go, I don't think you're a good fit to work with me, but hey, I know so-and-so that's very encouraging or very nice. Um, mm -hmm. So I think early on it resonated with me that I don't need to, you know, I'm not for everyone and that's okay. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, what's the saying? If you try to please everyone, you're not going to please anyone kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't tell you how often I hop on these these calls with new clients and the first thing they tell me is they, they like, they want to be told they suck or they want to be told like, you know, they want somebody that's going to be direct and to the point and not tell them they're doing good if they're not. And like, by no means am I like a, like a drill sergeant or am I hazing people like this is a college fraternity. But you know, like if I have something on my mind, I'm going to tell people and I'm yet to knock on wood, you know, lose a client because of, if anything, they think it's, they think it's somewhat comical and they appreciate the, the directness and the honesty because you know, I, I think I'm being genuine. I'm being sincere mm -hmm. because also that means like if I'm going to be that, if I'm going to be that rude to someone, let's say, and there's a better word than rude, but I, I, I stopped drinking coffee like seven weeks ago. So I'm maybe not as sharp. I can't think <laughs> as great, but um, you know, there's probably a better word than rude, but you know, if I'm going to be that honest with them, like I'm really invested in them. Like I really care about their health because I do, I give a shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think it was just, it was put on me early on that people actually like this, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I guess from the flip side too, something else, uh, me and Dr. DeBell talked about one of the, the downfalls of working with patients sometimes was that you cared more about their health than they did. And it was so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and also I probably never talked to my patients as directly or as rude as I talked to a lot of my clients and there's a lot of like HIPAA violations, not HIPAA violations, but like things within a, a license of, as a doctor of some sort that probably yeah. prevented me from. So <laughs> now that the cuffs are off or the chains are off. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just going all out. Like if something, uh -huh. you know, something bothers me or annoys me or, you know, somebody needs to be told something, I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, rude is just one way of framing that, but I like what you said, honesty is just another way of doing it too. And sometimes truth can be painful to, to face, right? It's like, mm -hmm. uh, it's um, like that uh, allegory of the cave. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where people are in the cave in darkness and they can see just the, uh, uh, yes. the shadows of like a flame behind them casted on the wall in front of them. And mm -hmm. when they you know, break their shackles and look back at the truth, the, the actual flame behind them. It's so uh -huh. painful. Their eyes can't handle it. So uh, in that sense, you know, truth can be painful, but uh, mm -hmm. it's if most people, when they're actually searching to better themselves, better their health, truth is what they want. They don't be wasting their time. Like you said, they want to be, they want to get to the point. There's no slow, they, like they want to be healthy now, not 
you know, 10 years from now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah they, they don't like being the slow approach of being coddled, of being like, oh, you're doing great. No, just tell me what I need to do to get to where I want to go. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. And uh, I like what, they, what you said, you, you, you want to help people be safe and get to their goals. Like those are, I think, the two most important things that any trainer, any coach needs to be thinking about, right? Uh, it's like, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be just training you to do the things that I think you should do. I want, I should train you to reach your personal goals that you think are important for yourself. But, and there's a big but and a caveat is that you can't just, you know, ride someone like, uh, you know, without the proper progression so that they can actually get there safely. Because obviously if they don't get there safely and some injury happens along the way, like one, they have had a terrible experience with you. So, you know, they're not going to want to be, want to be continuing with you. And then two, who knows, maybe this is like the final stop in their uh, road to health or whatever goals that they have. So then they just quit and never get back to it. So that's, that, that could be a big, big detriment as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And honestly, like I'd be lying if, you know, over the, the four years I've been doing online coaching, if people haven't gotten hurt during working with me and like, I don't think, you know, I don't want to jinx it here, but I don't think anyone's gotten hurt, like literally in the act of like one arm chin up work or handstand work or like in the middle of a deadlift, you know, but people throughout like their time with me, you know, they start to develop back pain or shoulder pain or something. And we we can point the finger at my training because I don't want to be like, it's not my training. But but the thing with with injuries too, especially those that kind of come on subtly, it could be so many factors and there's so many things. Um, But where I'm going with this is that you know, I, I recently had someone, he's on month like 38 now. So we've been working together for a few years and he's been having this bout of back pain. Never once did he ever think I'm going to take off of training, you know, and we constantly communicated it. And it's because we built that level of trust. So he trusts me. So he wants to work through it and he doesn't have back pain anymore. He's back to surfing and working out and riding his bike a hundred miles, but because we built that trust and that's where I was going on that little tangent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through the, truthfulness and the no nonsense they are able to develop that trust quickly because they know you're not going to be like sugarcoating things Mm -hmm. and then that way you're also more effectively able to train i'm sure because one of the thing one of the key things when it comes to training i find is really helping the client develop self-awareness being able to tell what their body feels like and what it's telling them because most of the time if someone doesn't have a lot of coaching experience or movement like at, like athletic experience, they're just ignore their body. I find they have no idea what, what it's telling them whatsoever. So once they develop that ability to actually perceive these, these changes, these nuances, then they could actually be like, Oh yeah, my back is hurting possibly because of this. Can you tell me, because we have a good trusted uh, relationship. Can you tell me what I can do to now fix this? Yeah. hundred percent. And I, <clears throat> from previous podcasts uh, I've heard from you, you you've had like uh, some injuries. I remember like a wrist injury that you had when you were training uh, mm-hmm. handstands, and then I think currently you have a knee injury or something like that. Yeah, so- I'm I'm a mess. I'm, I'm falling <laughs> apart. No, yeah. And honestly, it's funny. We were talking. Me and uh, uh, my host of my podcast that I'm on, or my co-host. I don't know what it be. Co-host. Uh, yeah, co-host John. Um, we were talking the other day, and like the last like three or four major injuries I've sustained have all been from jujitsu, all of them. So who would have thought a bunch of adults dressing up in pajamas, assaulting each other would result <laughs> in injuries. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 
all of them in the last three years have been from jujitsu. But yeah, the knee mm-hmm. one is the most recent. Mm-hmm. But having gone through this experience where you your uh, training has led to like certain outcomes that like you're not happy with now that's yeah. kind of, I feel like that's really done a an important shift in your mind about like how to think about training in a way where you can do this for long term as, as long term as possible right for your health to be to increase your health span so that you know you're in your later later decades not wishing that you you were still a young man being able to do all the things that you could back then but actually continuing those things no, can you I, talk a little I, bit about that yeah absolutely and it's funny, somebody said something to me the other day. I was on somebody else's podcast, and he was referencing mm-hmm. another guest that he had on, uh, James Fitzgerald. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the creator of OPEX. Um, but okay, yes. Any- I've, I've heard podcasts with him as a guest yeah. before. Yeah, he's solid. So guy. anyway, James was saying that, you know, we're, we're getting to about the age, like, you know, late 30s. I'm 35 now where a lot of the decisions you're making now are going to impact actually the rest of your life. Um, you know, and it wasn't pertaining to like, cause me and the guest or me and the host of this podcast, we were both talking about our, you know, jujitsu experience, you know? So it makes you, you question like, what am I doing now? Cause these are the things that are really going to, you know, when I'm 40, 50 and on, you know, like when I hurt something, when I was 22, like you up until like 25, I feel like if you've taken good care of your health for the most part, you can get away with being a complete idiot, you know, but now, now I really have to think about some of the decisions I'm making and what mm-hmm. those outcomes are going to be, you know, and I guess if, <laughs> am I okay with living with those outcomes um, or mm-hmm. how can I mitigate those things and, and be smart about it as opposed to, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, a lot of coaches joke, uh, like a lot of coaches joke that, you know, or I see memes on Instagram of, you know, coaches programming for their other clients. Keep it very simple. Push, pull, hinge, squat, or whatever. Coaches trying to program for themselves. And it's like one of those funny memes where, like, you know, the person is, like, all over the place. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, like, a lot of the things I still catch myself doing, I might not, like, I would never, like, some days I'll train, then I'll go to, I'll crush myself in jujitsu and then do it the next day. I mm-hmm. know better, you know? Like, I would never mm-hmm. tell a client to do that. That's stupid. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't... I, I don't know if I just sometimes think like, like may, maybe I understand injuries better. So like, mm. I've just accepted it's going to happen, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to have a pity party for it and just deal with the, the consequences of my actions. But I wouldn't wish that on other people. But as I say that, that even sounds crazy. Um, so it th- that quote that James said is where I'm going with that has me really thinking about some things and like the decisions you make going forward. And people mm-hmm. really should consider it not to like, scare anybody but like what does health and fitness look like for you now what does it look Mm -hmm. like five to ten years in the future it's people people have like a five-year plan or goal or you're supposed to normally you should Mm -hmm. have a a five-year idea of what you want health and fitness to look like and what's really important and like Mm -hmm. what do you think's important because the moment Mm -hmm. you get hurt Mm -hmm. you really like when when you lose that you know i hurt my back or i hurt my wrist or i hurt my knee like you're everyone's always regretting doing what they were doing and they wish they could have it back and they wouldn't, they, they're like, Oh, I would never do it again. And then the second yeah. they feel better, they start to go back to this thing. So like yeah. at least have enough self-awareness, like, Hey, I fucked up my knee in jujitsu. I tore my ACL and my meniscus. Was I okay with doing what I'm doing? And did I accept the consequences of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if I answered your question, but I, I went on a tangent about something there. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I, I, there's a lot of places we can go from there. One thing <laughs> I was thinking of from based on what you were talking about is uh, 
you know, a lot of uh, the clients that you have that come to you, they're looking for some long-term goal, goals, right? Because some of the things that you're teaching are like um, gymnastic movements that are really hard, require a lot of strength, and then some like uh, flexibility things as well that, like I said, take six months minimum for some of them, like up to yeah. years, right? So then yeah. you have to then, so a couple questions. First, how do you manage uh, people's expectations like in the beginning <laughs> uh, for like what they'll be able to accomplish? What are some of the timelines? And then like, how do you instill in someone that they have to stick to the plan for a long time and they have to trust the process? Like, how do you get buy-in for all that? <laughs> That's a great question. And it's, it's funny. I, I, right now I'm, I've been really educating myself on like, how do I grow a business more and how do I, acquire even more clients, you know, and how can I start, you know, hiring other coaches to make this more of a, a business as opposed to, I don't want to say a hobby, but just like a me thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I want it to grow. And, and that's a question I've, I've been, you know, playing a lot with and like a lot of like entrepreneurs or other coaches require, you know, having people commit to a certain amount of time, whether it's like, I want you to commit to three months. So like, you know, you, you can kind of weed out some of the people or, or a six month commitment or stuff like that. Or, you know, for, for me, and it's all the things I'm about to say, I've found for the most part, all entrepreneurs and like online coaches recommend against all of this. They say, all these are a terrible idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I was actually looking at my numbers yesterday. 70% of all my remote clients have been working with me for three plus years. Um, so Amazing. like I've, I've managed to get, so I'm just going to caveat with that or a little preface. Like I've managed to somehow with the things I'm about to cover, keep people for, you know, three plus years. Um, mm -hmm. but any, anyway, the first thing is I always, I've always in the past told people it's just a month, a month. You can work with me for a month. If you, you hate me and you think the programming sucks, tell me I suck and you can go do something else. I don't care. Um, but I always tell them, I let the programming and the process of working with me speak for itself. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't give people an estimate on like how long it's going to take to get a one-arm chin-up, how long it's going to take to get a handstand push-up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can make a guess based upon like where they're previously at, but mm -hmm. I've been wrong a lot of the times. You know, I, I've had one person come in and within three months, he went from no handstand to doing a handstand push-up off the side of a box, if you've ever seen any of my videos of me doing that. Yeah, but it was yeah. just, it was absurd progress. But yeah. then on the, flip, on the flip side, I have this one girl who's been with me now for like three plus years in the first year. And she, she had success early on. Within like a month, we got her a muscle up. But then mm -hmm. from there, she, didn't, she couldn't get the handstand for over a year, which is a very long time for like a strong athletic female to get a handstand. Mm -hmm. But now, mm -hmm. she, now she's doing freestanding handstand push-ups. But like, if you would have asked me, I'd been like, oh, Katie's going to get a handstand in another two months. And just like for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And it's, mm -hmm. and, but once again, I think it goes back to her trusting me and like me having – so the second thing I do that a lot of online coaches recommend is I give every one of my clients my phone number. They can text me, I say, 24-7. Um, you know, mm -hmm. they can text me as much as they want too, which is insane that I say that. Um, cause I always tell people they're going to, they're going to get out of working with me, whatever they want to put into it. So if you want to send me 10 mm. videos a day, I'm going to review mm. those videos. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I always send everyone their program on time, you know, when it's mm -hmm. time for a new phase. Um, and I think where I'm going with that is just being a professional coach because I've worked mm -hmm. with remote coaches and online coaches 
for what am I 35 probably since I was like 22 like whatever I was doing I always wanted to work with a coach to learn from and I shit you not the first online coach I ever worked with the first program he distributed to me he was late he didn't he didn't send it and then eight hours later he was like oh I thought I sent you the program and it was Mm. just like the excitement I had to receive that program and then like he forgot about it or didn't do it or you know whatever whatever the case was and then from there on so many times I was left feeling like when I would send a coach videos or give him my results or he would write me a workout I was like this workout like you know back when I worked with like CrossFit coaches for example Mm -hmm. they program power snatches at 185 for 10 reps into running a mile and like my max power snatch was like 190 this program wasn't programmed for me you copy pasted the you know and i'm paying mm. you all this money like i want to feel mm. i kind of want to feel like this is for me you know i i don't want to feel like i'm just or i didn't want to feel like i was just given something that wasn't for me when i'm paying all this money you know mm-hmm. um so i just feel like a lot of the online space for a long time isn't professional or didn't approach it like a professional thing so i've always been as, as funny as that is, because I'm so rude, I'm actually very professional in answering people, communicating, giving them their programs on their t- on time, never missing a deadline or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really just goes back to establishing that trust thing. So it's at mm-hmm. the point where these skills are fun. Like the people that want to work with me too have this phenomenal mindset that this stuff mm-hmm. is fun. And I don't care if it takes me six months or six years, I'm enjoying the journey. Um, mm. And I think the reason why I get all this buy-in from them is because of this weird, unorthodox way I approach doing it that mm. most entrepreneurs wouldn't recommend. Yeah. I mean, I think these are pretty important things. Like, first of all, you mentioned the uh, optionality of it all, right? Like, stick with me for a month and then a month to month. Like, I think that's very key. Like, um People don't like being stuck in like long contracts like that sucks. <laughs> so yeah. that optionality is huge. The fact that you're like very uh, much available, huge availability where they can always reach you, that that's, mm-hmm. uh, adds to that trust component. And then the fact that um, you, know, you get buy-in by uh, making people to enjoy the process. That's, that's, uh, that all sounds very, very nice. And then ob- obviously staying professional and making sure you meet the deadlines, then that's just... Uh, yeah. And it's, it's fun for them too, because they're getting all that coaching feedback. You know, someone sends me a handstand video the the devil's in the details, you know, you can, you can be doing a handstand or like I had a call yesterday with a guy that was trying to get freestanding handstand pushups. And kind of one of the steps before that is being able to do chest to wall handstand pushups. And then the yeah. step before that is pike handstand pushups. And he had been step stuck at pike handstand pushups, you know, for like eight months He was starting to develop elbow pain and you can do all these basic gymnastic progressions. Like you can watch YouTube and and do them and you think you're doing them right. Or you can do them in a way that progresses to the next variation. So that's where like kind of the devil's in the details and -hmm. having a coach that can point those things out. Like, Oh, you need to adjust the weight here or you need to do this or don't let your elbows drop back. And people, people really enjoy that. Like they enjoy like, like they don't want, like, I think my clients would be pissed if they sent me a video and I was like, Oh, that looks awesome. Great job. Keep it up. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm almost a little nitpicky. Like, Hey, like the, the, the elbows are dropping, dropping back two inches, focus on that next time. Like I always try to give them something and I think they enjoy it. So they're more mm-hmm. mentally engaged, like they're more present and engaged in their workout as opposed to just going through the motion. So it's, it's a, it sounds cliche or corny, but it's more of a practice than just a, a workout or a training session where you're, you're mindlessly mm-hmm. doing these 
these movements with no awareness of what's going on. So they like yeah. it. It's so key to have that one thing that you need to focus on because like so often if you don't have that, then the brain just wanders off. It's like off on the whatever to-do list you've got, like going over like, you know, step number three of the to-do list. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, like keep your mind focused on the thing you're doing and here's something very specific you can look at. And that makes a huge difference. Definitely. Now with your, um, um, how you're training these, um, these, difficult calisthenic gymnastic uh, movements. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a very systematized approach to, to teaching these. And then it seems like uh, you have like um, little standards basically that people must reach in order for, for them to be able to, let's say, advance to the next progression and so on. And mm-hmm. so while that's great, I think that's a, having a systematic approach to teaching is like very key. At the same time, you have to balance that with customizing for the, for, the, for the client, for the athlete. So then how do you go about striking a balance there? Like how do you actually use your system but also customize? How do I use my system and customize? It's a good question, so I don't want to say it's stupid. I'm not going to say it's a stupid question. <laughs> are, are you able to – well, it's not even – how about you? Could you maybe refrain and ask it a different way that would just get the light bulb to go off for me? And if not, yeah, I, yeah. I can try to ramble again. Like, what factors about a patient do you take into account to make the program for them personal, so that it's not just your uh, okay. like okay, a default yeah. system, uh, like a systematic way of of, of going about oh, it? Okay, I totally get what you're saying now. There, see, there we go. We refrained it. Nice. Um, so really, it comes down with these movements, especially these movements. I'm always saying I'm looking for what is your 85% capacity. Um, so whether it's a handstand, you know, a one-arm chin-up variation, what can you accomplish 85% of the time? Because if we take the handstand, for example, you know, mm-hmm. or, or any gymnastics movement, people se- seem to be on one or two ends of the spectrum. I'm moving my hands here. You know, yep. on one, one end, people will choose a variation that they're successful 100% of the time which mm. like they're going to feel really good about themselves. It's going to be fun, but they're really not driving, you know, adaptation or pushing their boundaries. You know, there's that, there's analogy. You have to be right on your edge of your capacity, you know, yeah. and they're just, they're, they're within their comfort zone too much. Um, gotcha. But then on the other side of that, you know, people will choose a variation that's like impossible for them. It's somebody that like just starts trying to kick up into a handstand in the middle of the room and fails a hundred times, you know, that that's like your 50, 40% success rate. And it's, you're not even training at that point in time. You're just trying and kind of hoping for the best, you know, gotcha. and, and at worst, you're at best, you're going to not make progress. And at worst, you're going to get injured. So first off, you know, performing some sort of assessment and watching or figuring out people's 85%. So what is their starting point? Where can I start them off where they're going to be successful 85% of the time, you know, and mm. And that's also depending on like what equipment they have available, um, Mm. what limitations they have for injuries. Um, You know, so maybe I can choose an exercise that they're successful 85% of the time, but it's going to be in a low rep range. Or maybe if they have equipment, they'll be successful 85% of the time in a higher rep range. So it's all these manipulating all these different variables, whatever Mm. they may be, to Mm -hmm. find that 85% so we can start training and not Mm. just trying. And then from, from there, once we've kind of established that starting point, how are they progressing? Um, you know, and I like those standards, if nothing else, 
just to kind of explain, and they're just guidelines. You know, f for example, um, some of the standards you're talking about is maybe if somebody wants to start working on specific one-arm chin-up work, um, you know, a one-arm chin-up variation, like a pulley assist chin-up or something, um, I typically recommend they should be able to do a chin-up um, for a few reps with um, at least 50% of their body weight added on. So if I'm 150 pounds, you know, 75% on a weight or 75 pounds on a weight belt for like three to five reps. And that all that's doing is, you know, solidifying the connective tissue in my elbows and shoulders. So when I go to support my entire freaking body weight on one arm, I don't tear my bicep or develop golfer's elbow. Um, you know, same thing like with handstand push-up. I have a, a military press standard. Um, mm -hmm. These things are possible without them, but we're increasing our risk of injury. And then also the time it takes to achieve the goals, if we don't have these prerequisites, takes forever. And we have to, we have to become so, so specialized with it. Um, mm -hmm. And those standards, just like people, people seem to accept them. Like, like they're just like, oh, okay, I'm okay with holding off on this shiny object in the future for this hard, more basic work, because I know mm. once I get there, then I can make it. You know what I mean? It's like a, yeah. it's like a, a credit score. I don't have a good analogy, like a credit score to buy a house or get a car or something, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you got to work towards that. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it's kind of, it's like taking them to the next level in a video game. Um, mm -hmm. But to answer your yeah. question, you know, figure out what the starting point is. And then from there, how are they progressing? Um, and continuing to find that 85%, whatever that be. And everyone's mm -hmm. going to look different depending on how they're progressing in their journey. And some, you know, some of the movements are going to be like progressing no problem. Others are going to be taking a while and they're going to be very little variance in what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what I'm hearing is you want to be, I think it's called like the zone of proximal development where yes. it's not quite, uh, you know, the, uh, hardest thing that they can possibly doing, but it's a challenge enough where they can be, you know, successful most of the time, but still really uh, challenging themselves. And then what I'm also hearing is, you know, these, these standards are more on the basics in terms of like what training looks like. And oftentimes I tell my clients, the advanced stuff is just the basics mastered. So if you want to get to the advanced, master the basics, do that more often. And then what I'm also hearing is that maybe the standards are a little bit, um, I don't want to say random, but uh, subjective, yeah. but uh, that's okay because this, the, you've decided on these standards probably based on your experience having worked with people after a long time and you, you decided that this is probably a good standard to set here <laughs> just based on experience and time that you've spent with people. Yeah, people people get really pissed off on the internet about that. It's great. I actually like it. <laughs> like, where where's the research on this standard for the one arm chin up or this on that? But that that's why, like, in my posts, like, oh I'm like, God. hey, also send me your one arm chin up and all your clients because I rarely see a lot of client one arm chin up like testimonials. It's very strange. Um, mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. so that's why, like, if if you're gonna tell me I'm wrong or, or or want some sort of citation or research, most of these people don't even they don't even have a subscription to PubMed. They don't, they're just going to read the abstract. So I don't like, don't, don't come at me. Like it, it drives me off the wall. Like, so it's, it's a guideline. It's a guideline that I've based on other textbooks that I've seen other coaches reference. And I've kind of taken my experience. It's all anecdotal. Like I don't, I don't really care. Um, but it's just funny. But, and then they also, the other thing is I, I like doing it too, finding that variation because especially with these strength skills, there's a very subjective component to it. You know what I mean? 
And the jump from progression to progression sometimes is very difficult. Um, it's not like in a bench press when you can bench press 95 pounds easily. You know, you can add two and a half on each side and go to 100. Sometimes mm -hmm. from the one progression to the next, it's like the equivalent of going from 95 pounds on the barbell to 225. So it's like, how can we have all these creative nuances in, in, in between? And what can I mm -hmm. make up? And I hate to say it, what can I make up to get that person to 225? Yeah, but what does that yeah. look like? Hmm. Very good. Very good. Now, is there, maybe just let's go on to this question I thought about, um, is what, what part of training clients like actually like appeals to you the most? Like, is there an aspect of it that really, uh, is like, you know, burns a lights of fire under your ass kind of thing? Like just like helping people, obviously like that's the answer people like, I love to help people, but why do you love to help people? Like what part of it is like, so, uh, so good for you that you want to keep doing this? So I, I think, first of all, you know, why, why did I start being a chiropractor? Because I wanted to help people. Why did mm -hmm. I stop being a chiropractor? Because I hated caring about people's health more than they cared about their health. Um, and mm -hmm. we were talking about before we started recording that, you know, my clients are all over the world. So I'm, I have an, inf like, I have infinity people oh. that I can work with. So I'm never going to run out of people that I can work with, which thank you for the internet, which is great. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas, you know, even when I lived in Boston or now when I live in South Carolina, like especially Charleston, South Carolina, I was pulling from a very small population that did not give a shit about their health. So mm. after, after experiencing that and how like frustrating it was and like I couldn't share my knowledge and help people like it now being able to work with people that give a shit and they're excited and they're motivated. Like, mm. I think that goes back to whatever they're going to put into it, I'm going to give them back. So if they want to send me 14 texts a day, I'm going to review all those videos and get back to them right away. Cause they're so excited. I want to like build that excitement and that gets me excited to help them out and help them reach their goals. Um, like one woman, like I posted one woman doing a dragon squat the, uh, probably like a week ago. Um, and before she started with me, she couldn't even do a single pull up. And now she's doing like 10 pull ups with 25 pounds and doing a dragon squat. But, when she did her first dragon squat, she started crying after the video. Like, yes. I, I don't know if I ever cried when I got my first dragon <laughs> squat, but, but, the, but the, like, obviously it affects her, you know, and who knows? And I don't know what's going on in her life. Maybe she's very stressed, you know, and with her kids or her job or the weather's bad where she lives. I don't know. But, you know, she gets that release from training and that she gets to, she gets that much like enjoyment and excitement out of working towards a goal and reaching that goal. She started crying and like, she's excited about training. So that excites me because I'm passionate about this and I've more or less devoted my life to it, whether I realized it or not. Um, and I want to share that with other people that want the help and want to avoid all the injuries I had, avoid all the time that I've spent learning and researching it, you know, and all the mistakes I've made because they have full-time jobs and they don't have the time to do it themselves. So I get to share that with somebody else and help them help themselves. And that's also why I like remote training too, because for the most part, you know, when, when I was training people in Boston, like I had the, the same few people for a couple of years, we did the same few things. Um, you know, it just kind of felt like I, I'm just babysitting you. I'm sitting here drinking my coffee, you know, maybe I'd make a rude mm. remark that would entertain you um, mm. for, for like 95% of them. Cause they were the regular clients, you know, then I would have the people that would come in and they like had chronic back pain and they hadn't seen everyone else. So I, like with those people, it was different. 
but the same people, like I'm babysitting you and you don't need me here. You could probably do the same routine. Like I'm almost your accountability partner and I'm not an accountability partner. So mm. like, that's why I like the online training thing because they're doing it on their own. And then I'm helping them in that process or that journey. And it's just so rewarding. Like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Like it's, it's, you know, part of the job of being a trainer is being the person who motivates them to do the things that they want to do. And there's, you know, you can do that, but there's got, it's got to be a two-way street. It can't be just the one person motivating the client all the time. There has to be some like motivation from the client themselves that they want to be able to do this. Yeah. And they just need the help from somebody to guide them along the path, you know, because they're in a way they're blind. They don't know which way to go. And you're just saying, you're here, this is the path. Follow me. I'll show you. And then when they actually can push past their limitations and uh, unlock something that they thought was impossible prior and like they have that moment where they cry, that's the best thing in the world for me as a, as a coach as well. Like yeah. when I've gotten people to do their first pull up and they're just yeah. like ecstatic about it. It's like, oh, that's, that's huge one. worth, yeah, that's worth a million like dollars or whatever, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely share that with you as well in terms of that, that aspect of it, enjoying that. Oh, th those, now, those are the best. Yeah. Now, one thing is, um, you know, I think uh, with your uh, clients, you, you will program people to do all sorts of different uh, types of training uh, based on, you know, obviously what their goals are and also what equipment they have. But a lot of it is this, uh, you know, calisthenics, uh, gymnastics style things. Is there any limitation to just focusing on that that you can think of? Like, like while I think that's a great training modality, like yeah. let's, let's maybe poke some holes in it and like talk yeah. about what are some of the things that, that you might be missing out on if you're just only focused on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so first and foremost, I guess I'd say like, I don't think any of my clients that I can think of, maybe there's one or two that like don't have access to a gym that I'm blanking on, but mm -hmm. I, I use weightlifting for all of them. Like I incorporate weights. Like some mm -hmm. would say it's like a hybrid method if I want to have some sort of cool marketing idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I utilize both and I utilize both because I found early on the problem that we have with a lot of, and this would be one of the first holes we could poke at is with gymnastics. When you're going like a lot of these variations, when you're going from one progression to the next, it's like jumping from 100 pounds to 100 or to 225 pounds in the bench press. And there's yeah. no, there's no little small incremental things we can do. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard to make progress. So why don't we just like, you can get stronger one of two ways. You can make the muscle bigger or you can convince your brain to get stronger. So why don't we just use different modalities and then revisit the same gymnastics progression later on. And if we made the muscle bigger, and you understand the movement pattern, you're going to be more efficient at it. So hopefully we're closer to that big 225 jump. So like if you were just going to train with weights, progression to progression, especially with older athletes too, or people coming in in their early thirties, mm -hmm. it's going to be harder to adapt. Um, mm -hmm. Which also to another hole we could poke in, it's harder to modulate the volume and the intensity. Cause once again, you know, like, if somebody has shoulder pain benching 135, okay, let's do 95. Oh, we don't have shoulder pain. We'll just do higher reps, you know, in what, whatever. Um, my shoulder doesn't hurt, and I have, you know, that nice delayed onset muscle soreness the next day. It's much harder to regulate those things in these body weight movements and these these progressions because there's, there's not as much room for, I guess we could say, error or um, I use the word finagling. I don't even know if that's a real word, but <laughs> yeah. finagling. 
so th- th- there's not a lot of room for that finagling. So you're uh-huh. kind of at a disadvantage when making progress. And that's why a lot of people reach out to me that have been spinning their wheels for a while, just doing mm-hmm. gymnastics and not incorporating any weightlifting to get stronger. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, strength's going to be everyone's biggest limitation. And you need a pretty high level base of prerequisite strength just to get started on the most basic level. So like we may have to lay down a foundation with a lot of these movements. So I think another one would be, you know, not lifting weights for the upper body. Cause I think it's key, you know, at a, at a certain, like a very advanced level, like even beyond me, you know, you could get away with not lifting weights, do these high level gymnastics, walk into the gym and bench press 315, no problem. And that's not even an exaggeration, but that's taking, that's like a, that's the, te- that's 10,000 hours of this work. You know, yeah. that's a lot of work and most likely also starting at a younger age too, where the, the learning curve is a lot easier, whereas opposed to, you know, once again, in your thirties starting this, or gosh, some of my, like, I have one successful client. He started with me when he was 40 and he just wanted to start with me to fix his chronic shoulder pain. And now he's 45 and he's doing one arm chin-ups and handstand push-ups. So like, wow. it, it, it's, I think it takes a slightly different approach. Um, so that would be another whole um, the last one that I'm coming up with right now, and maybe I'll have another one pop into my head as I'm saying this one, but yeah. with, with the up with the upper body, I think you it's calisthenics. I think you can you can get a very far just training with no weights. You know, I think if somebody just wants to do you know ring dips, pull ups, push ups, you know, if you know how to program correctly and all like a bunch of different variables, pull up bar mm-hmm. gymnastics rings, you can get a lot away with a lot. When it comes mm-hmm. to, and, and, and get very strong and put on a, a lot of muscle mass. When it comes to the lower body, people get pissed at this one too, but you're not going to put on a lot of size in your legs doing pistol, like body weight pistol squats or shrimp squats or like Nordic mm-hmm. curls. Like you, you'll get stronger, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. you, you're, you walk around all day long supporting your body weight. Your body, need, your, your legs need a lot of external stimulus or load to really adapt or be progressively overloaded um so Mm -hmm. i think weights you know for like if that's a goal for you if you want to get stronger in the lower body um i think you know the weights you know back squatting deadlifting are staple movements with all of my clients um whether it's a barbell kettlebell dumbbell whatever um Mm -hmm. i think you know neglecting weights for the lower body i think is a a huge mistake Mm -hmm. yeah solid that's uh sound all sounds good to me um uh, with, with with regards to like um, what you were saying, you know, some of the clients' um, previous history, like uh, I've had clients that have done gymnastics when they were kids and they mm-hmm. hadn't done a lot of training after they were kids, but they maintained a lot of their flexibility. So they're able to get into all these like oh, yeah. uh, difficult shapes, uh, even though they don't have a lot of experience. It's like, oh, oh well, just, cool. They have a, a tremendous foundation. Like my, my girlfriend was a high level gymnast, you know, up until I think she was 16, 17. <laughs> didn't do anything for like 17 to 23, 24, just like, I'm pretty sure she got fat. I don't know if I'd tell her she was fat. I, I didn't know her then. So it's okay. But like, she didn't do anything. And she was, she was like 24, 25. She, uh-huh. she then was like, okay, I'm fat. I got to work out. She started yeah. working out at like planet fitness for a month. Didn't like it. She then joined a CrossFit gym less than a year later. She was on a cross. She was competing in the CrossFit games on a team and has done it three years since. Because wow. she had such this amazing, fa- like, you know, there are girls that put in so much more work and, and been doing it longer than her, but that foundation when you're younger, when you're 
so prone to like making these big changes, it, mm. you can't, that is invaluable for when you're older. And it, it, regardless of whether people want to think it or not, like that foundation is huge as an adult. If you want to start doing something again, it's crazy. It's same with martial arts too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I like what you're saying with uh, regards to like the lack of challenge for the legs with with like body yep. weight training. It's uh, you know, it's it's true. It's just like if you want to stimulate your legs to grow, they you got to stimulate them with a real signal. You yep. know, you can you can be doing pistol squats till the cows come home, but uh, <laughs> unless you're adding weight to those pistol squats and holding on to something heavy. It's, it's yeah. just uh, not that signal that your, your brain and your muscles need to be able to justify it. Cause it, it, it's, but that's how the body works. It needs to justify why it's going to add extra tissue to your legs. And it's just, there's no yeah. justification when there's no extra load. Why, why do I need to adapt? Why do I need to do this work <clears throat> to adapt to this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we, we touched on this a little bit, but uh, let's go back on it, back to it just a little bit more. This is well, we're coming up to the last few questions here. Okay. How, how does your um, how does your training differ from how you're uh, training your clients? Can you talk a little bit about that? How does my training differ than how I train my clients? <sighs> what would I say? Like you said, you're a lot more uh, willing oh, to no. accept some of the uh, oh. stupid mistakes. Like you, you mentioned that. So like if, so you know, I, if you... I think that would be more, that'd be more of like my choices with jujitsu and continuing to get hurt. Um, but how yeah. my, how my training changes actually um, at this point in time, it's, it's very similar to how my clients are training. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the only thing that that's different from theirs you know, I'll, I'll run the same exercises, the same routine for, you know, 12, 16 weeks with minimal mm. change. Like if I'm continuing to make progress, I'm just going to, you know, keep it rolling. Whereas most, almost all my clients, for the most part, I'm going to change their program to some iteration every four weeks. Um, you know, and if you would ask me three or four years ago, my honest answer would have been I'm changing their program every four weeks. So they feel like they're getting something new because they're paying a monthly subscription. I would have been totally honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but also mm-hmm. people, people love, I, I, I'll have people repeat the same thing every week for four weeks, more or less. And at the end of four weeks, most of my clients get excited. Like they're annoyingly excited about some variation in the program. Even if I keep the same sets and reps, but I, I have a different iteration on the same exercise. They love it. It's some change, you know, so mm-hmm. I do it for them because it excites them. Um, sure. You know, I change it, but for me, I, I also like to work out at home for the most part. I don't like mm-hmm. going to the gym. It's just, it makes my day and my routine easier. Um, yeah. And I have very limited equipment. Like I literally set up a squat rack in my living room in my apartment. Um, nice. Me too. But I, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have very few things. So like, you know, I, I back squat every Tuesday and Thursday and then I'll, I'll do some Zercher squats. And that's all like, I, I don't have a leg extension machine. I don't have heavy dumbbells. I don't have a hack squat machine. Like if my girlfriend would let me put one in the living room, sure, I would use it, <laughs> but, but I don't. So, and I, but I'm still making progress on it. So I'm just keeping it really simple. Um, so I'd say that's the only thing that's mm-hmm. really different than my clients. But outside of that, um, yeah, it's, it's about the same in terms of what I was talking about earlier. It was like, um, uh, and that it's a, it's a conversation I have with myself all the time. Like, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze with other activities that I'm choosing, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or like, let's say, 
let's say the approach that I maybe was taking with one arm chin-ups a few years ago before, you know, I figured out all these, I don't want to say standards, but, you know, prerequisites that I felt really set people up for success and kept them safe. You know, a lot of people develop elbow pain, golfers, elbow, bicep tears with the one arm chin-up. It's kind of like, is it really worth, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Um, mm -hmm. And that's the conversation I've had with like jujitsu, but also it makes me question, am I just approaching it from an incorrect way? Kind of like how people approach the one arm chin-up. What's a more efficient way to do it? Um, but it's, it's, I always want to question everything I, I do. Like, I think Ryan once said, I like to have conversation, and that was funny, he said it this way, I have conversations with myself that I try to question everything that I think is right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's what I think I was meant, I meant like that with what I was referring to earlier. Um, that's my awesome. My stupid decisions. Yeah, that, that uh, goes on to my last question, which... Uh, I'll tell you the question, but I want to hold off uh, on okay. answering it yet. My last question was, have you changed your mind on something related to training in the last year or so? But okay. before we go on that, I was thinking about how you're saying how like you don't change your program as much as for your clients because, you know, clients do tend to want to have that, you know, change so that they can work on something new so that it seems like it's worth it to pay for the service and whatnot. But that, I feel like that can be client specific as well because uh -huh. you can have some clients yes. who are just like you who like the meat and potatoes, same thing over and over again, and they are making progress so that it's, it's good for them. So why change? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And then I had another point, but I, I think I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with regards to, I came back to me. So you, um, I imagine with your um, training where you're like um, doing a movement practice, versus when you're going to jiu-jitsu training mm -hmm. it's almost like you're you're trying i'm imagining you're using your movement practice as a way to mitigate what happens in jiu-jitsu and to kind of undo some of the things that jiu-jitsu does is that is yeah. that a fair fair assessment i would like to think so or maybe you know i i would like to convince myself because this could like once again injury is god there's so many factors that come into play with it like an over like an injury like why did I hurt my knee today doing that same movement as opposed to three days ago when it was the same position and it made the same noise why didn't it hurt then you know like mm -hmm. injuries are so unpredictable and like if I could predict when someone was going to throw out their back I'd still be a chiropractor and my office would be full all the time because I could tell you in three weeks you're going to blow out yeah you, you know what I'm saying so it, it'd be an easy job um, so I like to tell myself that what I'm doing in my training is maybe decreasing the likelihood of my injury or maybe it's less severe or maybe you know i wouldn't have been coming back from this knee injury as um quickly but once again who knows it's all like it's just stories we tell ourselves or convince ourselves um so so maybe but from the same regard there's there's people in the jujitsu gym that are it's not not a picture of health at all you know but they've got some pretty good technique and they smash me but they can't walk up the steps without getting winded and they certainly mm -hmm. can't do a chin up. So like, I, I would like to think a lot of things I'm doing is mm -hmm. preventing me from being less broken in jujitsu, but mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know at the, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not going to run the experiment where I stop working out for eight months or something and just do, I'd probably be better off because I'd be focusing so much on jujitsu as I say that, that mm -hmm. I'd probably be better at it. So I'd be getting injured less. Well, I appreciate the honesty. It's it's not often that a coach will say, "I don't know." Um, oh, I don't. I don't know anything it, at this point in time. It's important to uh, recognize our own limitations, and I think there's something to be said because certain things 
that you do certain activities like jujitsu or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. there are repetitive movements within those things that uh, can be uh, addressed with the movement practice that's separate from it, whether it yeah, just yeah. be simply doing the opposite of what you normally repetitively do for the actual activity. I think there is some merit to that, whether or not you know for sure if it's actually making a difference or not. Um, I think there's, there's a, some merit to it. But yeah, let's get back to the final question. Uh, what have you changed your mind on something related to training in the last year or so? What if you can think of anything. Have I changed my mind on? Oh man, I feel like I change my mind all the time on stuff. Or I have these like revelations where, what have I changed my mind? It could on? be just a revelation. Maybe you didn't have a strong opinion on something, and then uh, you uh, maybe became more convinced or uh, convicted. <sighs> um. Man, this is a good question. This this was not a stupid question. This was a good question. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Leaving you with the hard one, the hardest no, one at the okay. end. <laughs> normally, I feel like I can always. It, it was good because normally I feel like I can start talking and then something comes to me. But right now, I'm literally. But I, I want to answer it. What, like we can, you can like edit in that Jeopardy waiting noise. Yeah. While, while I'm thinking here, what have I changed my mind on? Maybe just even regarding like a skill training where you thought uh, a certain standard was uh, more important than it is or less important than you actually gave it credit for in the beginning, something along those lines. Or... Could oh, be man, anything. There's, there's so many, I guess, you know, when you say that, like my head's going in so many directions. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, maybe not something I've changed my mind on, but something I always come back to is, you know, you don't, you don't, and this was talked on another podcast. I was with someone else last week in terms of flexibility training, but it, it goes with anything, you know, at the end of the day, any goal that you want to accomplish, whether it's the middle splits, the one arm chin up, you know, the handstand push up, any of these that like, there are these elaborate fancy goals, you know, you don't need uh, complex solutions to these simple problems. Um, you know, like we, we were talking about it, the middle split. He's like, you need two, maybe three exercises max from somebody that can barely spread their legs all the way to getting your, your nuts to the floor. You know, same thing with the one arm chin up, you know, same thing with the handstand push up. You know, you need two, three things, and then you just do them repetitively for a long period of time, maybe manipulate different sets and reps and like, you know, integrate different ways to perform the same thing. But at the end of the day, you only need two or three, and it's, it's a concept that I always revisit. And sometimes maybe I move away from because um, I fall into that Instagram. Tra- like, you know, cause, mm. like you can a, a really boring Instagram page would be posting the same couple of things that like the most popular Instagram pages are posting <sighs> fucking stupid things to get mm-hmm. eyeballs on them. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to see, oh, West, West did a handstand on Monday. West did a handstand again on Tuesday, you know, or whoever <laughs> your favorite page is, you know, like so – I think, and I fall into that trap too, sometimes thinking, oh, is there a better way to do this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess at the end of the day, even if I'm thinking that way, I'm not going to give my clients that. So I'd much rather have my progress fault in the experimentation of these things. So my, so I can realize, oh, it's the basics are the basics and they're always going to be the basics kind of deal. So I don't know if it's something I've changed my mind on, but something I always sometimes forget and I have to realign myself with it. And honestly, when I realign myself with it too, I feel so much better about my training and the direction it's going. And I'm never running into this paralysis by analysis and second guessing myself. 
because I know so many coaches that do that with their training. So it's mm-hmm. just like, don't, don't, don't think there's, there's all these complicated ways to solve a simple problem. Yeah. Keep it simple. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, I have the, I definitely agree with that wholeheartedly. Like my Instagram page is the most boring Instagram page ever because <laughs> I uh, post me doing handstands every day or practicing to do them. And I not, recently I've switched to squats. So I just squat posts every day. <laughs> well, you're so, consistent. The algorithm yeah. will recognize the same thing. So it's a good thing. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. Um, Thank you so much for your time, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. I think there's definitely some things that I picked up on that uh, from this conversation that I need to uh, maybe re-solidify my, like come back to like you're saying, like, you know, not stray away from these uh, basic ideas that, uh, like you said, it's very easy to forget them and want to go for the exotic things. But really, it's it's the basics are what what get you to, and basics and consistency are get you you where you want to go. 100%. So before we go off, just uh, let everyone know how they can reach you. What what kind of um, yeah, just give them a hand hand off for how to reach you, how to get in contact with you if they want your services and things like that. So uh, if you want to reach out, you know the best place is on Instagram at Dr. Wes Hendricks. Um, YouTube, same thing, Dr. Wes Hendricks. I was on a kick for a while making. I was spending a lot of time editing videos, so I, I have a decent amount of high quality videos on there. Before I realized this is way too much of a headache, but. I, I have yeah. a lot of good free stuff on there too, but either way, if you want to reach out to me, uh, Dr. Wes Hendricks on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you've got some links in the link in your bio for reaching out for like one-on-one stuff. I think so. I hope so. That'd be a bad job <laughs> of me if I don't. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much again and have a good rest of your day. Awesome. You too. Thanks again for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out and let me clear up any uncertainty. Either leave a comment or send an email to newsletter at jmartfit.com. That's all I have for you today, ladies and gents. Connect with me on social media at jmartfit on Instagram and Twitter and jmartmoves on Facebook. Or get my free bodyweight training program through subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Jmart out!